Thanks for listening to this episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis, your movie trivia and discussion podcast. Please like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash screenfacts, and post your comments or questions. You can also tweet Jason at at Jason Davis Voice, email him at screenfacts at yahoo.com. Please subscribe for free in the iTunes store to automatically get new episodes every Wednesday. The Blazer, everybody. Ryan Blaze Berkowitz in the house once again for the Screen Facts Podcast. Welcome, my friend. Great to see you as always. Great to be here. I got put to work as soon as I came in. That's fantastic. People are probably tired of hearing me say that, I'm thinking. All right. Well, this could be be the first or, or a tester or maybe where you see, hey, the Blazer, not bad. (laughs) <laughs> maybe I, maybe I have a new career. You never know. You never know. I just can't stop laughing long enough to say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. So you and I are going to discuss a movie. You know, talk about going off the beaten path, man. We don't really like to throw too many curveballs on this show, right? This is pretty curvy. This is really curvy. If this were a chick, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> She's so curvy. <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about Wayne's World. We are going to talk about a very uh, obscure 1980s movie from December 14th, 1984, Runaway, starring Tom Selleck, Gene Simmons, and Cynthia Rhodes. I remember very distinctly seeing this movie in the theater. Me too. Obviously, we both saw it in the theater because we're huge Kiss fans. Can I tell a quick story about of going course. to see it? Do I just jump right in? Jump right in. It's always about me. It's about everybody listening. You know, when I talked about Beverly Hills Cop, I talked about that it reminded me of my late friend Virgil. Right. Well, I went to see this with my buddy Virgil in the movie theater in Nanuet, New York. And I remember going in there, him saying to me, don't go crazy when Gene Simmons comes on the screen. I think he was afraid I was going to embarrass him, right? So I said, okay, I won't do it. And the first time you see him, my buddy's like, Gene! Ah! And I always remembered that moment. Like, I don't know if it was intentional or if he was overwhelmed or he was like, I'm going to yell, Gene, you're not going to. The first time he appears on screen, yeah, you just can't help but get excited as a fan. Put your mindset back in 1984 when we're going to discuss this, because right now, if you decided for the next six weeks of your life, you're going to watch nothing but Kiss on YouTube (laughs) and learn about Kiss and read about Kiss, you have that ability now. Right. In 1984, I once heard, I forgot who it was, and Howard Stern say, how the magic is gone. Like you'd go to a concert and oh my God, you'd actually hear them, the lead singer speaking. Yes. You'd hear him talk. Well, in 1984, I could not get enough kiss. Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, or I was in, the or, same way. Or in 2016. Well, but, yeah, exactly. Right. But the point is the spotlight being pointed on Gene Simmons was amazing. Cause look, I'm a huge kiss fan. Surprise. I know you like him a little bit also, right? <laughs> Just a little bit. Right. The thing is, is that, you know, I, Maybe for the songs, I'm more of a Paul guy. Right, but, me too. But what dragged me into no Kiss- No offense, Gene. Yeah, no, none whatsoever. But what, I, what pulled me into Kiss was Gene. Listen, he's always been the sort of image of the band. When you talk about Kiss, you think Gene Simmons because of the tongue, the blood, the, the fire, mo- everything. The most distinct portion of the band is Gene Simmons, Absolutely. clearly. Absolutely. And, and the over-the-top nature. I mean, again, him and Paul collaborated on this, Nace and Peter too, but I have to say that it really is almost like Gene's thoughts being put into action when you see Kiss. I almost want to disagree a little Except bit too. For this period in Kiss where Paul did everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think, listen, I think Paul was always fine with Gene being the, the main visual point of the band. Right, right. But make no mistake about it, from the beginning to now, Paul is the heart and soul oh, of that un- band. 100%. I'm, I guess you're right then. I will step back from that statement. Gene kind of perpetuates that. God love him. I mean, you know. Are our 14 and 16 year old selves taking over right now if this is all become about Kiss? Uh, it, I'm going to make sure that we don't make the whole podcast about Kiss. But, you know, listen, you can't talk about a Gene Simmons movie without talking about Kiss. We should have been like, all right, screen facts. <laughs> you wanted the best. You got the best. The hottest movie on film. Run away. <laughs> 
Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> you know, the funny thing, we're talking about Kiss, but this movie has nothing to do with Kiss. It's like the anti-Kiss. Well, the great thing about it is that this was the first time we really saw Gene act, if unless you count Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, and I don't really think you can. You know, I would sit and talk about that movie for two hours also. Well, yeah. That that could happen. It, I would it, totally do that. Yeah, I might do that also. All right, I'm all sure right. there's Kiss fans that would totally appreciate that. Note too. to self, Note Kiss to... Meets the Phantom <laughs> of the Park. This movie, Runaway, written and directed by Michael Crichton, Michael Crichton had written or directed some other movies, including Twister, Westworld, and Coma. In fact, Tom Selleck worked with Crichton on Coma as well. He's probably best known, however, for writing a little book called Jurassic Park. Remember that? Little book. Little book, yeah. And uh, by the way, there is a Screen Facts podcast for the movie of Jurassic Park, so check that out. I remember it well. But did we also talk about, I think we're about to discuss, ER? Yeah, I totally forgot. He created ER as well. What did he do, like? Two, 250 episodes of that? Uh, 331 over 15 years. That's more than 330. That's right. That's a One lot. more. <laughs> that's amazing, though. <laughs> Not too many shows last that long, no, so that, that, especially that kind of a show. That's a good one. Michael Crichton has got a great brain, a great mind for these things. Love Jurassic Park. Phenomenal. Crichton's famous for his uh, research and his accuracy with regard to like, yes. DNA and things like that. I almost feel like this movie kind of stood alone from Michael Crichton's work, from his novels, etc. because it's a weird movie. It, to me, it's, first of all, chronically 80s. I don't mean chronically 80s like what we talk about, like Better Off Dead, things like that. Right. Maybe I'm saying a little cheesy. I thought some of the acting, you know, there were a couple of moments, I shouldn't say this, so like with Cynthia, um, with Karen Thompson. C- Cynthia Rhodes, yeah. Let's just jump right in and talk about Gene first, because, you know, let's face it, the reason we're even discussing this movie at all is because it contains Gene Simmons. 100%. So, uh, the first major motion picture for a Hollywood studio for Gene. In his book, Sex, Money, Kiss, he said that Michael Crichton's casting was based primarily on an audition where Crichton asked him to stare at him for about a minute without making any facial expressions. And Crichton thought that Gene looked so menacing that he decided to cast him as Charles Luther. You know, I will say that there were times in the, in the movie where I couldn't stop looking at him. I mean, yeah. the, the level of evil, whatever they had in mind for Charles Luther, yeah. he portrayed. I think that from the from the way he stared, from the way he spoke, everything about it, it seems like he nailed it. There's actually a story that an assistant director said that one of the off-duty Vancouver police doing crowd control had pointed at Gene and said, hey, you better get him out of there. After the assistant director said he was uh, one of the actors, the cops said, I don't know. If I shook hands with him, I'd count all my fingers. <laughs> he, you know, he really is a presence in this movie. And you could say whatever you want about if he can act or not. I was convinced. He Me too. really, and I remember seeing it in the theater thinking, I'm proud of this guy for like coming he, in here and doing this. He pulled it off. You know, I always got the, I don't know if I had read it or got the feeling. I don't know why. I always thought he was a Middle Eastern character. When he was in Wanted Dead or Alive with Rutger Hauer a few years later, he played a Middle Eastern terrorist. As far as Gene Simmons' movies go, Runaway by far is the best one. It's oh, the yeah. best written, the best executed. It's the holy grail of Gene Simmons movies. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to... Next to Kiss and Scooby-Doo. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Have we discussed that a lot, right? That was a good movie. <laughs> you and I talked about it, yeah. And the funny thing is, you know, you have young kids, so you have an excuse for watching it. I don't. I loved it. I thought it was really they cool. They probably sold more copies to adults than oh, they did sure. to children. Yeah, like the fans buy stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, we mentioned Wanted Dead or Alive. That, out of all the Gene Simmons movies, arguably has the best death scene of his. 
I don't think I'm going to ruin it for you by telling this. He, he gets killed in the end. And wanted dead or alive. Yeah, and wanted dead or alive. because And, and Runaway. Well, yeah. Uh, the death scene in this is pretty cool, too. But in Wanted Dead or Alive, Rutger Hauer puts a grenade in his mouth. Okay. Pulls the pin and walks what away. Happens? And see. you see his head blow up. It's pretty cool. All right. <laughs> but in this, he gets killed by his own creations, his little spiders. Can we talk about that for a second? I guess we're fast forwarding it. But again, yeah. this movie is 84. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, yeah. tough, right? I noticed that when he was dying... Mm-hmm. For the first time, because remember, uh-huh. he, at the end, he comes up, rah, Yeah, yeah. He was doing the Gene Simmons roll your eyes back. Yes, did you I, noticed noticed, that I did also? notice it as well. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, very but, cool. You know, the screaming, he, I'm telling you, he was a great actor in this movie. I thought he was good. Did he not stop acting because it was getting in the way of Kiss? Oh, it, it totally he was had to make He had to make a choice, obviously. Yeah, I mean, he turned down a lot of roles from what I was reading. Right, so. I mean, my thoughts are on this. Nobody's going to be great. You know, we're going to, if you watched Marlon Brando's first role, I'm sure it wasn't as good as his last role. Yeah. So... You know, I'm not saying he would have been the next inside the actor's studio, but right. he was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if after Kiss either stops doing their thing or Gene and Paul leave Kiss and turn it over to other guys. I wouldn't be surprised to see Gene Simmons get his acting career going. Yeah, I in. could see it too. Maybe He's done things like he, over the last decade or well, so. Well, I just told you I saw an episode, of C- an episode of CSI with him on it. Yeah, he was in uh, some movies too. Let's focus on the sci-fi aspect of this. Okay. I've never seen Tom Selleck in a bad role. I like Tom Selleck a lot. Mm-hmm. He was great. Cynthia Rhodes, I didn't think her acting was all that outstanding. At times, I thought she had porno movie dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and, and, you know, let's, let's talk about her for a second. How yeah. about the policewoman wearing a skirt? Did you notice that? This was actually her first starring movie role. Right. And she didn't have a ton more after it either. I looked well, her up. Well, the reason that you didn't really hear from her a lot after this was because after she did this, she did Dirty Dancing, and then she got married to Richard Marks and decided to become a full-time mom and gave up her career at that point. So Okay. I liked her in this. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I no. Did, I mean, I thought she was perfect in it, but... I thought a couple things. One, the level of the relationship in hours, like fast forward to 10 years, they were so close. Um, two, talked about the sk- with her wearing the skirt. Right. Kirstie Alley smoking. That's something you don't see a lot in the movies anymore. Oh, yeah. There's totally a lot of things. And Tom you know. Selleck going, she's good looking about Kirstie Alley. Like, yeah. And getting all like, uh, woo. Yeah, you getting know. all uh, googly eyes. Yeah, or googly eyes were thinking. But I just, it's funny. It had nothing to do with the movie or the acting, but it's really funny sitting back and watching. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you'll see a movie from, you know, backwards from a certain time point where you see a newsroom everybody's smoking right and you just don't see it anymore it's yeah. incredible I, even, I commented on that too when we were watching i'm like look there she's smoking in the office and it was weird right <laughs> very weird it was, it was but back weird. then it was perfectly normal for that to happen and the same thing with the police woman wearing a skirt was probably the uniform back then who knows right but but again it was strange because if you think about it yeah. is that really the smartest uniform for a woman to be wearing when you have to chase criminals no, and stuff like that not. and wasn't she wearing heels at one point she, she, well, she was wearing heels later on where she comes to the kids rescue yeah Yes. When she's in a regular dress. Right, because she had to get dressed up for that, right? Well, I think she, she was supposed to go out to dinner or something with him. Right, right, right. Lois the robot. Mm-hmm. And an interesting thing. The chief. Now, you're going to say Police Academy, but I'm going to say that he was from MASH. You're talking about G.W. Bailey. Yeah. The cool thing about the Police Academy connection is that in both that movie and this... Both released in 1984, by the way. He's working with a police officer named Karen Thompson. Interesting. So in this movie, of course, it's Cynthia Rhodes. And then in Police Academy, it's Kim Cattrall's character. Kirstie Alley, I think, in this movie is probably the most over the top of all the actors involved. I almost feel like you could have made the movie without her also. Oh, I, I mean, there's some cool stuff with her and Gene, though. The movie would miss if, if you didn't have her in there. Did um Gene get second billing in this? 
third. It was Tom Selleck, Cynthia, Cynthia Rhodes, then Gene. Gene, but it was pretty. You know, I have to say, when I watched this the other night, when his name came on, I was like, <laughs> it, it was cool, right? Going back to what you were saying before of putting our minds in, uh, you know, teenage mode. This movie comes out in 1984. You know, I'm a 14, 15 years old, whatever. Being a huge Kiss fan, to see Gene Simmons on the big screen, it was like we won. That's yeah. A, it, it was it was a victory to see him. Yeah, on the it screen. was just very cool, you know. And I remember when they first started making the movie, and I think People magazine had pictures of behind the scenes of him in character. He had to cut his hair, don't forget. Yeah, also, yeah, it was just really cool to see him as this character. Going, oh my god, we're going to get to see Gene Simmons and, star in a movie. Gene in this movie, everything about him was like I don't know who could have played this role better. Oh, I agree. He totally crushed it. Kirstie Alley said that she was even a little intimidated by him. She said that she wasn't really a big fan of Kiss and thought Gene was kind of bizarre, you know, with the tongue and the fire eating and all that. And she kind of kept thinking of that when she was doing the first scenes with him in the movie. She said to walk towards him, there was a lot going on inside of her. He's kind of this really powerful guy and very seems very dangerous, but he's really not. They only had like three minutes together in the whole movie yeah them, right but, but there were really good scenes yeah, well the there scene, was some the cool scene stuff right before he whacks her in the restaurant yeah <laughs> the I mean, sushi there, restaurant that's there, a, that seemed like a pretty cool restaurant was, you know, and it's thinking back to sushi back then now you get you take two steps you can get sushi 84 there was like i think in rockland there was one sushi restaurant yeah sushi was very trendy in the it, 80s it was very cool but i thought that there was the way you're describing this there was backstory between them and you could see it and plus when they did the debug thing on her she had the like whip marks or whatever on her right, back right so there's definitely some weird shit going on in their relationship. So what are the screen facts have you for me in this movie? <laughs> so Tom Selleck's character, his name, Ramsey, is said approximately 52 times in the movie, which is a little more than once every two minutes. They did say his name a lot. I still feel like this was, in the best way I'm saying this, a cheesy 80s sci-fi movie. It is. In, but it in, is. But in the best way. But It's fun, though. Fun, cheesy 80s sci-fi movie good mm-hmm. cheesy 80s sci-fi movie plus gene simmons great yes i agree great. i concur the reason i know that this is a good movie is because tommy who's going to be 15 next month actually enjoyed the movie and he wanted to watch it again he was excited to watch it again he thought it was a lot of fun and since he's about the age that i was when i first saw it i think it holds up really well well i have to say i think i told you before you know in addition to being a frequent guest on the podcast mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a fan first and foremost i appreciate and that. the way i like to judge the podcast is do I want to watch the movie again after I hear it? Mm-hmm. And now from watching it and talking about it, I would like to watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a plus. You know, this is interesting. For those watching this and saying, all right, I'm not a KISS fan. These guys are talking about KISS. It's ridiculous. I can't believe women actually marry these guys. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's not a bad movie to sit down and watch. Like It's one of these things like you catch it on cable, take five minutes and watch it. It's really not bad. It's really not. And we have geeked out a little bit on Kiss. I'm not going to lie. We needed a Kiss-filled episode where we didn't have to say we're... You know, we didn't have to make an excuse to yes, talk about Yes, correct. <laughs> so, you know, I think we're doing well with this one, yeah. and I think that we've earned it, and I think you've earned it. The more obvious choice to talk about on this podcast would be Detroit Rock City, which and, I think is going to happen at some point, right? It's certainly going to happen. I, it it I, has to. And I think we owe it to Kiss them. Yes, absolutely. So Runaway was filmed almost entirely on location within a 30-mile radius of Vancouver in British Columbia in Canada. Crichton said that the Canadian crew was great to work with, and the entire film would have been shot in British Columbia, except that the delayed spring weather slowed the growth of the corn there. So the scene where they have to take down that runaway robot that's uh, running through the cornfield, 
they had to shoot that in Washington State in Moses Lake. Crichton said that after having shot films in L.A., Ireland, and England, this particular movie was his best experience. Do you think it was because of Canada, obviously? Yeah, yeah, because right? Canada was so easy. And he said when a film comes into a, a, an area, you know, they have to get all kinds of permits sure. and, and permission to do things and all that. And he said that the government was so easy to work with. They went to the business, probably. Yeah, sure. sure. That's what it was. It's, it's good money. I think that this movie helped me relive my youth a little bit. That was an interesting era for me, the post-Creatures of the Night era of Kiss. Mm-hmm. Lick It Up was a big deal to me, waiting for Animal Eyes to come out. Mm-hmm. The time between those two albums, I needed Gene Simmons. You know, they were really good, Kiss was, about putting out an album pretty consistently every single year. Oh, yeah. I mean, early on in their career, they were crazy. I mean, they were releasing a Two couple a year, albums a year. Yeah. yeah. And then they were pretty good about every year putting out a new album and then a tour and everything. I remember being so happy that I knew the manager of the record store in the mall because she would get like the trade magazines to tell you when stuff was coming out. Mm-hmm. And I remember her telling me when Crazy Nights was coming out. There was no way to know. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you'd catch a blurb in Circus Magazine or something. Right. I remember that well. It's funny because, you know, nowadays people probably just take for granted that they can look up anything on the internet. You know, you can Google anything. Anything. Back then, I remember distinctly anytime there was a special on Kiss... It was so cool, especially if they showed stuff of the makeup era. Fantastic. We've talked about this, and you said that that's like a pleasure center in your head. Seeing 70s Kiss yeah. triggers the pleasure center in my brain. I don't yeah. know what it is, but it makes me happy. Yeah. I think I've told you the same thing with pandas also, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> it's an interesting two I, things. But... I, I apologize for nothing. In fact, if I ever was actually in Kiss, yeah. I would have been the panda. There you go. See? That would have worked. You know, it's it's funny because I'm trying to imagine what would happen if we presented Kiss and a panda to you at the same time. That could be deadly. It could be deadly. I think we're having too much fun. We are. We're having way Is too much fun. Is it too much fun or just enough fun? Just enough fun. The other cool thing about this movie was the score. The score was interesting. It was. It has a very uh, sort of sterile feel to it. You get a lot of action movies, especially sci-fi, and they have these big orchestral kind of bombastic scores. Like 80s, a guy with a synthesizer, right? Well, the guy who did the score for this, so it was the first purely electronic score for composer Jerry Goldsmith. Goldsmith had an amazing career. He worked in movies and TV for decades. He died in 2004. Some of the other movies that he scored include two of Crichton's other films, Coma and the Great Train Robbery, the original three Omen movies, Poltergeist, the first three Rambo movies, Inner Space, the two Gremlins movies, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Rudy, Air Force One, and several of the Star Trek movies. So he worked on a lot of really cool things, very interesting variety of things. Hell of a resume, huh? Yeah, I mean, and that's only scratching the surface. I I just tried to pull out some of the highlights. I mean, he for years and years, this guy was uh, a very successful composer, so definitely cool. Very cool. It wasn't your standard score. So the robots in this movie are sort of different than what you would expect to see robots be like in a futuristic set movie. Normally you think of like what you see in Star Wars, where they're almost like human. In this, they're machines, and they're flawed, and clunky, and awkward. And there are no C-3PO. Although C-3PO's cereal is present in the movie in the scene uh, in Ramsey's Kitchen, which is a cereal that was around for maybe a couple of years in the 80s. And Was that the new Crunchy Force in Breakfast? It was. <laughs> So it's kind of just funny that that's in there in a movie about I'm sure, robots. I'm sure that was intentional. Oh, I'm sure, totally. I'm sure. All right. So should we just completely pander to Gene right now? Yes. Let's assume that curiosity is going to get the best of him and he's okay. going to listen to this podcast. I, I believe he will. Because, you know, we're two big fans of his and he wants to support his fans the way his fans support him, right? Yeah, I, I think so too. And listen, we basically... He's not a busy man or anything. <laughs> no, no. You got to figure he travels a lot. Maybe he has time to tweet and look at things on Twitter. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. But I think that would be great. I think if Gene Simmons listened to this, mm-hmm. he'd hear that we're big fans, mm-hmm. that he knocked it out of the park on this. Mm-hmm. And I would go see another movie if he made one, would you? Oh, Absolutely. 
No, seriously, there's a lot of people that love this movie, and I think that this could be a catalyst, people listening to it. I bet you we could get a hashtag going about this movie. And you get think it, so? And get it to trend. Hey, you know what? At the very least, Gene's got to want to retweet something where like a couple of guys that are fans of his just kiss his ass about his acting for 20 minutes or whatever. That is true. Well, Gene, if you're listening, thank you for listening. And if you've gotten this far into it, <laughs> thank you so much. But hook us up. Yes, please. A, l- a little retweet. A retweet. We don't want free tickets. We don't want backstage passes. We don't want free merchandise. Just a little retweet would be great. That's it. And we'll continue spending our money on Kiss, will we not? Let's face it. We're going to do that anyway, Blazer. We are, Gene, but help us out anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't I don't think we could talk anymore about a, an obscure 80s Tom Selleck, Gene Simmons, Cynthia Rhodes movie. What do you think? I think that we've uh, reached the end of this trek. I think so, too. I wanted to make sure we did it, but I wanted to make sure we didn't run away with it. Oh. Well, thank you for uh, for sticking around and listening to this and putting up with our kiss geekness. And if you have any comments or any scenes from the movie that we left out that are some of your favorites, let us know about them. Go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash screenfacts. And you can also tweet me at Jason Davis Voice or email screenfacts at yahoo.com. If you enjoy the show, please help us out by rating and commenting on iTunes. You can also support the show by ordering Screen Facts merchandise on the podcast page of jasondavisvoice.com. Gene will appreciate me plugging my website and merchandise. <laughs> Gene, I learned from the best. Show theme music by audionautics.com. Thanks to wickedradionetwork.com and our announcer, Kim, from kimsvoice.com. Blazer, thanks so much for uh, taking the ride in and doing another podcast. Hey, thanks for having me here. And as always, I look forward to the next one. Me too, always. And don't forget to check out Brian's webpage, berklaw.com. It's B-E-R-K law.com. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.